0: Welcome to the Concord Podcast, I'm your host Samuel Delgado, and I'm here with our family pastor Kevin Cooley, and in this episode we interview Nigel Jones.
1: Yeah, what a wonderful interview, just to get to hear from Nigel today. Uh, the British accent is cool, mm-hmm. it's cool to hear, but Nigel is such a great storyteller, he can, he can put you there in such a wonderful way. But the stories today uh, about how, you know, first of all, he, he came to faith later in life, and and what's happened since but what happened before how god was working even when he didn't realize it uh, man it's so encouraging and and for me it was encouraging to hear how you know how god is using you when sometimes maybe you don't even realize he's using Mm -hmm. you and and how that played out uh, in Nigel's life
0: yeah it's a fantastic story yeah all right let's hear some stories thanks Nigel, for for doing this uh let's start just by hearing a little bit how you grew up and how you came to know christ I was
2: born in a small fishing village on the south coast of England and it was marginally Church of England, Anglican, uh, which is like RC light without the Pope. And um, my mother was a believer. (laughs) To this day, I don't know where my dad was. But anyway, I grew up there. Um, I, as a teenager, I (laughs) I had disciplinary issues um, and I had a problem with authority, and uh, basically I joined the Marines one step ahead of the police. It was it was going to be prison or the Marines, so I chose the Marines. Well, actually, they chose me. But um, I lived a life. I was never an atheist. I was an agnostic. I, my my mother's influence. Allowed me to just consider that there was someone, something out there that was greater than me. So I was never an atheist. But just to mm-hmm. clarify, what's the difference? Uh, just d- d- define what an atheist versus an agnostic. An atheist believes. That, my understanding is an atheist believes that there is absolutely nothing out there. There is no supreme good or authority. Whereas an agnostic accepts. Oh, sorry. An agnostic accepts that there is something out there, but either refute. Dis- doesn't understand what it is. Hmm. Okay. So uh, at that point, um, I spent nearly 13 years in the Corps, during which time I lived the life of a very hedonistic agnostic. Um, I came to the US to learn how to fly helicopters because it was cost prohibitive in the UK. Um, long story short, my instructor was an ex-US Marine. He'd done two tours in Vietnam, one as a grunt, and one as a helicopter pilot. He later on became the chief pilot and then the manager of TVA helicopters. Mm-hmm. So I st- we stayed friends. We hit it off. You know, we were together for two months. We hit it off, parted ways. And then one day I had a phone call from him saying, would I like a job with the TVA? I was flying. I had a regular helicopter flying job. Um, flying helicopters is a stepping stone. It's a, an apprenticeship if you don't do it through the military. So I said, yes. He said, but you have to move to Muscle Shoals to do it. Now, during this time, I had married a lady uh, who was a Lutheran and her mother was a Lutheran. Um, she did not like me. Uh, she didn't like a Christian daughter marrying you know, an agnostic. So we actually did move to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, because that's where the job was. Mm. I, The job I had at the time, I could fly anywhere I wanted to. I could live in the country and still do this job. So the chief pilot who was a Christian the, ex, you know, the Marine that had trained me mm-hmm. how to fly, taught me how to fly uh, was a member of the First Baptist Church of Marshall Shoals Alabama and he invited me to go to church and I did not want to go to church I wanted, simply wanted to hang out Sunday morning and recover from my hangover so my mother-in-law and of course my wife absolutely wanted to go so they did and I went with them and I went only to basically suck up to my manager because I wanted a job, you yeah, know. Right. Um, I had not did not have that job yet, but I was living there, hmm. and God used my my greed or my dishonesty to get me into church. While we were there, the only time, ta- the only subject that could possibly keep me going to church every Sunday. Jeff Noblett as the senior pastor, which he's actually been a guest speaker at Concord, hmm. uh, was preaching six months on revelations. Most people are fascinated by the end times. Whether you're a believer or not, we like to know how the world is going to end. Right. And it was a fascinating subject. So God used my, uh, my deceit and my greed to get me into church And then he used Revelations to keep me there because I was Hmm. fascinated, so I kept on going. Long story short, on the 22nd of October, 2001, uh, after going six months, I accepted the call. Now, this was an amazing event because there's a thousand people in there on a Sunday morning. It is a massive church. And to walk all the—that's a long aisle. But you only need every great journey starts with but one step. Mm. And know, I, I took that first step, went down there, and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. Um, <laughs> when I came back <laughs> about fifteen minutes later, I was my my wife's crying, my stepson's crying, cause he's a believer too. My mother-in-law's crying. My mum's crying. And, I thought we were supposed to be happy, you know. and they're all crying because just, they're just over the moon. And mm-hmm. from that day to this, um, I've been a disciple of Jesus Christ.
0: Wow! And so you were married before you started attending that Baptist church? Yes, I got gotcha. you. And um, so obviously they were very emotional mm-hmm. to see you accept that call. Um, what was their temperament in the months leading up to that point? There's a oh, there's a verse in the
2: Bible I cannot remember I believe it's either in Proverbs or Psalms where it talks about having a woman who a wife who is a Christian who's a who is a believer who has virtue and she she gave me a book I, I'm very black and white I like facts hmm. and she gave me a book by Josh McDowell um, not just a carpenter. More Than a Carpenter. More Than a Carpenter, thank you. Mm -hmm. And in there, it lays out, this was about three months prior to moving to Muscle Shoals. Um, She gave me that book, and I recommend that book. Josh McDowell, I believe, was a lawyer who was challenged. He was an atheist, and he was challenged by a friend to read the Bible, and he said he would disprove the Bible legally. And it took him about two and a half years and eventually became a believer. Mm -hmm and is an amazing example of apologetics yeah and that book was the leader or made me think oh hold on maybe there is something to this right it's not just incredibly ephemeral it's there's something going on here that I'd like to get into
0: yeah so that was sort of like the the primer and you'd read that before attending church is yes. that right hmm and so even though you said that you know you're a logical and you needed that logic, Mm. Um, what was holding you back from accepting after reading that book? And what was was it that finally prompted you to finally answer that call that that day? That is something
2: that will be – I will try and describe something that is supernatural. Hmm. That day, I had absolutely no control over what I was doing. Hmm. There was no conscious thought to take that first step. Hmm. Um, I went to step out, and my wife looked, looked. She said, put my hand on me. She said, where are you going? And apparently I looked. she told me this afterwards. I looked at her, and she just didn't recognize me. I said absolutely nothing and just walked down the aisle. Now, I would not – that has to be a force outside of me. That had to be the Holy Spirit drawing me down that aisle because most people don't believe this. Kevin probably don't believe this, but I'm fairly introverted. For me to walk out there in front of a thousand people was an abomination. (laughs) I mean, I just would not do that. That is not me. I don't like being out front and doing things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, To walk down that aisle in front of a thousand people was literally an act of God. So I, I got it. You said your mother was there. Yeah. Is that? Oh, that's a good
1: thing. That's mm. a blessing. Mm-hmm. So during that time, you said she you knew she was a Christian when you were growing up. What was her contact with you like? I mean, how? She never she,
2: pushed it. Yeah. Uh, I was in retrospect. I've often that's a question I've asked myself a number of times, and she never really pursued it. Now we always went to Christmas. We always went to the, a Christmas service. We always went to Easter, and. Um, I never saw my mum praying, but she would be singing hymns around the house. You know, there'd be Christmas hymns and Easter hymns, and she'd sing to herself because she had a lovely voice. Um, I did not inherit that, but that's as far as it went. And we also, she also um, pushed me into um, a Sunday school class as a youngster. I think I was about eleven or twelve. Did that for two years. And when I was at school, we also had religious knowledge lessons. They were actually allowed to teach you about the Bible. Hmm. And that was the only childhood influence I ever had.
0: Wow. Do you remember making a conscious decision to say, I'm going to be ag- agnostic, or that you rejected the, the Bible at no. any given point? Because no. you were obviously around it. Mm. Um, you just weren't convinced. Correct gotcha uh, I
2: never made an active decision to say this is ridiculous I'm going to oppose it it was just the life that I was surrounded by
0: sure um, now had you had conversations prior to getting married about the fact that there was a discrepancy as far as what you and your wife believed up until that point yes to so describe that I mean how did that go I mean obviously you you got married despite it she said we can work around this,
2: was was her, was her words. <laughs> and I, I really didn't push it because that was not a subject I felt comfortable discussing. So I hmm. took the path of
0: least resistance and just accepted what she said. Sure. But it didn't bother you that she was a believer. No. And, and clearly, she, I imagine she, she had faith um, that at some point, you would come to faith, I, I, I imagine. Yes, because
2: or, I had my son, my my stepson, my wife, and my mother-in-law praying for me, but I didn't yeah. know that. So yeah. it,
1: let me ask you this. In hindsight, looking back on that, do you, do you see that perhaps even with your mom, mom, I'm going to use that word. <laughs> M-U-M. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, your wife, your stepson, another, your mother-in-law, do you see where God was using them? I mean, even though primarily what you're saying when it really came into focus was during that, that time.
2: I see a lot of church. preparation going on here. Okay. Yes. You see the Lord was working yes. even though you didn't realize it. I didn't realize it, no. Yeah. He's also kept me alive through a number of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the I heard a sermon many, many years ago. I was, I was, I was doing some overtime with the TVL on a Sunday and I was flying out to a job and I, I tuned in a Christian radio station and I heard a preacher say you never know what God has done, but in the rearview mirror. Mm, that's and, so true. And I have told that to dozens of people. It's a simple phrase, but it's incredibly illuminating. Mm-hmm. If you look back, you can join all the dots to make the picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, regardless of your journey, yes. I think you can look back and say, "Wow, you, you see God's hand, mm-hmm. His sovereignty, His, his providence yeah. in your life." Um, yeah. Would you
1: say? Would you say that now? In your walk now, and I know he's going to get to how the Lord has changed your life, but would you say that seeing how the Lord was using them when you really didn't even know he was using them, does that fuel your Christian life now? Yes, it does. Sometimes when you feel like, this is doing no good.
2: <laughs> yes, it does because, especially on mission trips, okay. it's easy to become discouraged because you think, I can't do anything here. You just have to accept it's not you. And if he... My testimony isn't that powerful except to people who knew me prior Mm. to my conversion. To them, my friends in England and to uh, a couple of marine friends I have, it's very strong because you've never met the old Nigel. You've only seen the converted Nigel. They know both.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. So being agnostic, um, you know, a lot of our church attenders probably grew up in church um and maybe not have a lot of experience with non-believers or especially someone that is agnostic do you think that gives you a, a different perspective as far as your witness goes having, oh, yes. having been an agnostic while i regret no
2: I regret my conversion to, i was 45 years old so i just statistically i just squeezed in you know, yeah, i'm worse. really grateful um yes it does um, I would like to have been saved earlier, but it gives me a different perspective. It enables me to understand unbelievers, I think, more easily. I'll, I'll talk about um, people who kind of move into the church. That's all they've ever known. Some of them I have met, not in this church. I'm talking about working for the TBA. There's lots of Christians in the TVA. Um, they find sometimes... They find it hard to understand or accept why people will behave in that way. To me, it's perfectly normal right um, And because I have been there, I can talk to them using their language. It is a big example it, it is a big advantage. That's a good word
0: yeah yeah I, I and mean, that, that's powerful to hear stories like yours as someone who's grown up in church or mm-hmm. you know because we sort of lose sight of that and we can lose connection right with, with, the, with that community. And uh, I think it's important to have compassion. Um, and I think having gone through it, I imagine it'd be a lot easier. Uh, so it's encouraging to hear, um, uh, your story that it's never too late. I mean, that's truly incredible at the age of 45, um, coming to faith really against all odds. Uh, so that's amazing. Um, but take us, you know, here you are, you, you have this, uh, conversion moment supernatural as you described um take us to where you are now i mean what happened obviously you joined concord this was in alabama so um what was the lord doing you uh in your life at that point uh, i was only you the tba
2: you relocated me to chattanooga so i have been at concord for 18 of my 22 years right so i can't say anything about Another church. I've only been a member of two churches. Right. However, um, I came from a church in Muscle Shoals that was predicated on the infallible Word of God and then came to this one, which is the same. Yeah. Um, During this time, I met a very good friend of mine who became a friend of mine, which is Peter Fakus, who used to work for AMG, he used to be a mission a guide for advancing the ministries of uh, advancing the ministry of the gospels, which is you know, Concord, has a relationship with them, and he coerced me and put pressure on me <laughs> to go on my first mission trip, which was to Peru. Um, that if there is the, the, I had the best training in the world to go on mission trips. I was a marine. Mm, It doesn't get any better than that. (laughs) That Throughout this, there's so many things I am being trained to do as a non-believer that transfers into being a believer, Mm. Um, against God to God. And I went on my first mission trip with him to Peru. In fact, David and Drew were on that trip. So that was 2007, I think. Mm. Um, And then I really enjoyed that and then he asked me to go to Uganda. So with so I went to Uganda again. Um, I can't remember how many times I've been to Uganda. Uh, it's like, I don't know, eight or nine, maybe 10 times, I'm not sure. Um, and each time I go on a mission trip, a week's mission trip is the equivalent of six months of sermons. Mm. As far as being immersed and the intensity of scripture. You mm. live it and breathe it every waking minute. Mm. And you probably go to sleep thinking about it, and you probably wake up sleeping about it. I mean, I'm sorry, you wake up thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I cannot encourage people more to go on mission trips. It's a growing, it's powerful, it's encouraging.
1: So you said being a Marine, those the same things Transferred over yep. to a mission Absolutely. Are you thinking like flexibility yeah, or what? Flexibility.
2: What do you mean you're tired? No, you're not tired. Right. Trust me, you're not tired. Yeah. I can tell you about being tired. Oh, what, uh, your back aches? No, no, it doesn't. You have known nothing about having your back aches. Your feet ache? You're too hot? No. <laughs> it's just, it's, for me, it's almost easy mm-hmm. because of what I have been through. And if it's easy for me, I can help other people. That's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. fantastic. Oh, yeah, okay. What would, you, would you like some help? I'll carry that for you. I'll lift that, open that door. Yeah,
0: yeah it's amazing how God uses our natural gifts but also uses our experience yeah. as I well. Can,
2: I can tell you some other, the other way he has trained me to do this. Um, as a, it's very difficult sometimes to have a determination of what's changed before and after conversion. Okay, I used to be a staunch evolutionist. I used to support abortion. Um, I used to be incredibly hedonistic, you know, selfish and prideful. Um, okay, I have taken what I've learned about evolution for it, which in apologetics, I, the same principles mm. apply. I can now use that as to um, refute evolution. Abortion. Um, one of the things I spend some time on is trying to help change laws to remove the availability of abortion. Because I used to be pro-abortion, I used to go be in the Marines, mission trips. So I've taken all of the skills I learned prior to salvation, mm-hmm. and now they were all against God. And he's just—it just fascinates me the way that changeover has happened. Yeah,
0: it's incredible. He's, mm-hmm. he's given you new life. Yeah. And
2: if, if I can change, I, I can see other people changing.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I love those things that perhaps you were passionately speaking out against, a- against God. Mm-hmm. Prior to your conversion, now you're, you're completely 180. Um, another one is uh, I, I used to really, one of my character flaws
2: was, uh, I had a few. One of them was I, I like to verbally assassinate people. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always enjoyed mental jousting. But the principles that one applies to mental jousting or humiliating somebody or shooting them down are almost identical to apologetics. Right. Mm -hmm. It's all I have done is change the topic. All the skills remain in place. I've just finished reading. uh, Sorry, I have two chapters to go. There's a book called Tactics. It's on apologetics. By, um, Greg Kukul, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Kukul. Yeah. Yeah. And this is encouraging. Um, one of the young ladies in our youth group suggested it to me. She said, are you interested in apologetics? She heard me say something in the conversation. She said, oh, I've just finished this book. So that's hmm. encouraging. We have a young lady who's 15 years old reading really a book good. on mm-hmm. apologetics and then telling me about it. That's, that's great. Awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's fantastic. I, I think just... Personally, what I, I can see is, I can see you having serious intellectual discussions with people, and I can see where the pre-christ Nigel would be able to, <laughs> boom, boom, yeah, take the sword out, cut him up, yeah. But y- there's a compassion there, in, in what you say. There's a truthfulness. There's, you know, John. I think is one fourteen. Jesus says Jesus was full of grace and truth, mm-hmm. and I see that. I see that in you. You know,
2: and one of the biggest but, changes in me is. If I win an argument, I've just lost. Yeah. It's not that. That's how I look at these discussions. I would rather keep my mouth closed and walk away, and that is not me. <laughs> that is yeah. not that is not pre-conversion Nigel. Yeah, uh, that's that's the spirit
0: working in you, that and gentleness, but I, I, I
2: could change myself to what I want to be for maybe 3 or 4 months. I couldn't do it for 20 plus years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's incredible.
0: And I love how God's actually still using your intellect that you've always had for for his advancing His kingdom. Actually, as
2: I get older, that intellect is slowly sliding away, but I'm <laughs> I'm fighting every inch, tooth and nail.
0: Gotcha. Um, <laughs> well, and, and you've already s- spoke about you know your time with missions here uh, at Concord, so I'd invite you to talk a little bit more. Anything else you want to say about Concord and, uh, and and tell us what your prayer is for for our church. Um, One of the, in the Marines, one of the principles
2: of leadership is the thing called continuity of leadership. In other words, if you trust your company, Sergeant Major, and you know he's, assuming he's good, uh, when any new people join, because there's a large majority of people who already accept the leadership authority and the abilities of your leader, they will assume that belief system. They don't have to be there for two or three years to see how this man operates Um, my growth has been in Concord I have to give the leadership of Concord obviously they're being used by God but at the same time I have to give them credit for that because I've been here for 18 years Um, I think the fact that David has been here for 20 plus years is continuity of leadership he that constant leadership. You know, the ship has changed directions a few times just to avoid some storms, but basically the the heading remains constant, and that's a big plus. I've read some articles from the Southern Baptist, and that's unusual. Mm. I think the average is five or six years before. It's quite a lot. It surprised me, but mm. um,
0: you know, and of course, Drew has been here equally long or one year less yeah yeah that's great insight um so what is your your prayer for concord (laughs) okay um one of my um
2: i'm a recovering headbanger you know from my um pre-saved days uh and i enjoy contemporary rock music and there's a band called newsboys and um, they have been around for 30 plus years they are actually some of our australian cousins and they had a concert uh, at the Tivoli, and Kimberly had never heard of them. And she likes, she loves music, so we went to see them. I said, "Please, can we go?" She said, "Yes, we got tickets." And they have a new album out called "Stand," which the, the that gig was in um, just before Thanksgiving. And David or we had just finished a five or six week stand series of sermons, standing on the Word of God, mm. and. The philosophy behind this album is exactly the same thing. So what I'd like to do is read the title, the chorus from the title verse okay. of this. Cool. And my prayer is the philosophy that this um, enshrines. Okay. I'm going to stand in a world that is breaking. Stand for a truth unchanging. I am not ashamed. I have considered the cost. I will stand right here at the foot of the cross, and stand. That's
1: great.
0: Wow. That's great lyric. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's fantastic. Yes. I love that, uh, and so appropriate. You should hear it at 120 decibels. <laughs> <laughs> it's even more effective. Yeah. yeah. But just just the words they, they come. I mean, oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so the
2: philosophy of this is my prayer that this could be, this is Concord's mantra.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so share with us uh this is a fun question if you could be a witness at any five events (coughs) in the bible uh, which ones would you like to be at
2: i i spent 30 40 minutes working on this
0: there's just so many
2: and i took about 25 and gradually whittled them down so i wrote them down so i wouldn't forget i would love to be at creation Mm -hmm. i would love to see the dry land emerging from the seas that would be fascinating and and who doesn't want to see a talking serpent? <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, that's just fascinating. Um, the second one is Exodus 14, where Moses parted the Red Sea, mm-hmm. uh, where to see God suspend his physical laws in order to help his people across and then let the physical laws take over afterwards, mm-hmm. to see such a momentous event would be phenomenal to my mind. One of my passions is history. Um the other one would is exodus thirty three twenty two where God passes through Moses in the cleft mm. I would love to be in the cleft but behind Moses, so if Moses started to spontaneously combust you know i, I know I would have to look away but mm. to be i just think it yeah, that would an, what an amazing experience to be that close to God before you died yeah incredible <laughs> it says, uh, that one gives me goose pimples um and of course uh the resurrection, be there with Mary. That mm. would be just a mind blowing, knee trembling, like, I think I'm going to faint moment. Yeah. Uh, and then the, I would love to be in the upper room at Pentecost.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Just uh, to see it, or if you got really lucky, you could feel it too. That would be an amazing event. Yeah. yeah absolutely.
1: It would be.
0: Yeah. So, um, let our church members kind of just know a little bit about yourself. If you had your own podcast, what would it be about?
2: Um, my interest, we've already discussed, which is the, um, um, the uh, I'm sorry, uh, apologetics. That, that's a, kind of an interest for me, which I study part-time. Um, I've really, adept, being an Englishman, of course, I'm, Always trying to seek my inner robin hood. So I do, I have a bow. So I have a 50-yard range in my backyard. So I don't hunt, but I just enjoy archery. But I've really adapted to living in the south because um, I have, my wife has a jeep and I have a jeep and we go rock crawling in the jeeps. That's, That's something that we really enjoy. Right on. Awesome. And we have another couple at this church that goes with us, and we have another couple at another church that goes with us. So we usually have three or four Jeeps, and we go off-roading to various places. So a yeah. podcast about apologetics and Jeeps,
1: is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Okay. With archery thrown in.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. Right. It would be very
0: wide covering. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, um, this is such an encouraging um interview uh, i just love hearing your story uh, i think uh, the church will feel the same way yes um so i'll invite awesome. you to say any closing thoughts and uh, and thank you so much for coming on thank you thank you so much for listening i hope you're encouraged if you were share this with somebody you know and make sure to share your story as well and we'll see you on the next episode